questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. It doesn't matter if it's COVID, the war on terror, or climate change. The con is always the same. They first weaponize fear around an invisible threat. Then they tell you that they're the only ones who have the special equipment to see or measure that invisible threat. Then they use your fear-infused mind like a yo-yo to control you and make you dance like a circus monkey based on threats that never existed in the first place. Tonight, we're planting seeds. Like the saying goes, never underestimate the power of planting a seed of truth in a fertile mind. Pharma funds the media. The media funds your fears. Your fears fund your disease. And your disease funds pharma. And every booster is an admission that the previous shot did not work. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Tonight's special guest is a top-leading scientist in the world. He's an author of 52 books, one of them being The PH Miracle, where he sold over 10 million copies. Today, we'll discuss how to stay healthy during these challenging times. His website is drrobertyoung.com, and Dr. Young joins us from Southern California. Hello, Dr. Young, and welcome to Veritas. Hi, well, thank you so much. Uh, it's a, always a pleasure, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, hopefully share a little bit that people can uh, gain some further light and knowledge, but really not have to go through all the experience of it, if if you so choose. But yeah, we can learn from each other. And so I'm grateful to share because I, I truly care. Yeah, I'm honored to have you throughout the years. Your name has come up every so often, but it was in, until recently that uh, Ian Jacqueline, one of your students and a friend of this program, was on the show, and, and he just told me, you have to, you cannot wait another month or year to, to not have uh, Dr. Young. Mm-hmm. I'll have to ask you, it, for the listeners, I know that most of our listeners know who you are, but you have gone through a lot. Just like I mentioned before we began, a lot of the doctors and a lot of the the people who are in this field have gone through a lot. You've been persecuted by our quote-unquote well-intentioned government. Can you start with what you've gone through and how that how has that changed in the midst of this pandemic? Well, I mean, I've had I've had a, a, a very beautiful and wonderful and incredible life. Uh, 
you know, I have the greatest accomplishment, and that is to be able to have five children. And 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 really, to say that those five children are my friends, and to be able to have loving experiences. Uh, you know, I don't know how I got to this particular point. You know, I thought, you know, I thought, wow, you know, what will it feel like when you're 70 years old? And uh, because I retired, you know, as a professional athlete at the age of, age of 29, wondering what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, now I've traveled the world. You know, I, you know, I made an incredible amount of, you know, earthly, you know, rewards. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got bored. You know, I, I, I didn't have any dragons to slay. And so, you know, I, I went back from professional sports back to my passion. And that was human anatomy and biology and, and health and nutrition. And, and, uh, you know, took that path and, and, and it was intentional. It was something that I loved. And as I was thinking about, what I wanted to do, you know, I had an opportunity to study under Dr. Marie Blecker, uh, who was a protege of, of Gunther Enderlin, Dr. Gunther Enderlin. And she really molded a lot of who I am today because she taught me the principles of biological transformation and pleomorphism, which comes in complete dichotomy or create, create opposition to what is called the germ theory. And, uh, you know, as I think about that, uh, and then, you know, then later discovering the work of, of Dr. Uh, Antoine Béchamp, the French uh, uh, scientist, medical doctor at the University of Paris, uh, and, and actually having gone there to uncover some of his work, such as lace microzymas and, and the blood, the third anatomical element. But what I learned from from these great people, this great woman and this great man, uh, was the suffering they went through too. And, uh, and the reason why is because they followed the path of truth and light. And from that, uh, Antoine Béchamp uh, passed in his later years that, you know, in his, I think it was 95 to 96 years old, you know, literally just, passionately trying to warn people you know that pasteur's work was was a fraud and that the old germ theory was a fraud and uh, so i learned i learned all of this at a very very early age and as i learned various aspects of of identification anatomical identification and using and chemical identifications, uh, you know, through phase contrast and bright field and dark field microscopy and learning and actually watching, documenting the biological transformation of cells and how bacteria is born in us and from us and how yeast is, an, is a transformation and an evolution of bacteria and, and, uh, and that, that, that these so-called infections were just manifestations of, of polluted environments. And so not knowing, okay, the reason I'm telling you is not knowing, I going down that path I thought would be a revelation and an inspiration to the world to realize that Pasteur and that Enderlin 
and others that followed, like Dr. Livingston Wheeler, you know, uh, Royal Rife, and other scientists who walked down this path. Even guessed the Canadian biologist Gaston Nassans. They were all persecuted. They were all even even you know who's still living. Uh, Dr. Peter Burst. Duisburg at the University of California. And now my friend Luke Montaner, you know, it was about 10 years from this date that he was exiled from the University of Paris, ended up working at one of the universities in China because he changed his position on so-called infections, even though he received the Nobel Prize. And, uh, it's interesting because when I was being arrested for practicing medicine without a license, even though my medical director and we had the licenses, you know, we were doing things by the book. It wasn't about that. It was about we were actually being successful in helping people. And when I testified at the international uh, Tribunal of Natural Justice in Bali, in Indonesia, and testified to the fact that the reason I was persecuted is because I was too successful, too successful in helping people and empowering people and educating people and reversing serious illness, ser- serious, and I say this with a hyphen, dis-ease, even to the point that we even worked with universities, including the University of California, Southern California, USC, you know, as third-party validation for the cure for cancer, and then and then getting ready to publish on that, and the university saying we cannot be the university that announces this, hearing from students at at Morehouse College, the largest black university and medical school in the United States. The Martin Luther King Chapel lecturing there, being part of a committee, you know, and to the point of where they took one of my books, Sick and Tired, I highly recommend it, Reclaim Your Inner Terrain. And that book was used as a text for one year, one year only. The course was canceled because the university did not want to lose its funding you see, it wasn't because the course wasn't good, it wasn't right, the students, there was a high demand. It was because it wasn't the narrative that was being taught and promoted, that was being financially backed by big medicine, big pharma, and who really controls the education of medical doctors, which really controls the dissemination and narrative of information. To the point when Peter Duisberg opened his mouth and wrote the book, Inventing the AIDS Virus, he lost all his funding. You know, he lost his ability to do his work, but he told the truth. The same thing happened to a Nobel Prize winner, Luc Montaner. I'm sitting with him in Milan, Italy, asking him how things are going as well. I'm working in one of the universities like Chinhua University in China. Why? I says, well, because I've, I've never been able to make the connection that HIV causes AIDS. Did you hear me? Yeah. Are you, I mean, are people really listening and understanding 
because the same thing that was going on in the 80s is the same thing that was is going on now. HIV was being used as a weapon, just as SARS-CoV-2 is being used as a weapon. And the narrative, if anybody speaks against it, is censored or threatened or fined or jailed. And this is what happened to me. So would I trade those experiences? And if I could rewind the clock and do anything different, the answer is absolutely not. Does it pain my heart to know that what happened to me also affected those who care about me and love me? So in taking consideration of that, Dad, your titles, you need, uh, your work is important, but we need you. We love you. Just do what they say, and let's get put an end to all this. But the thing is, is even though, and a perfect example of this is what's happening, even though you agree to disagree, even though it, is, it, it may not represent the reality or the truth of things, you do it because you think it will come to an end. But guess what? It does not. Unless we want to conjecture about Carrie Mullis, who in, invented the PCR testing, you know, who was suddenly taken from this planet in August. And, of course, November we all of 2020, we all know what happened. And right. 2019, and we all know what happened. The end of November 2019, they introduced the so-called phantom virus pandemic of SARS-CoV-2, now called SARS-CoV-19. You see, he was the biggest critic of Fauci. And the things that he was doing and has been doing and is doing now is the same that he was doing in the 80s. And ever since he's been there, at the head of that uh, that uh, National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease. Let me ask you he's this. Be, yeah, he's supposed to be working for the people. So, yes. Let me know. ask you this about Fauci, Dr. Fauci. Well, first yeah. of all, the CDC, the NIH, these are not government entities. They are sponsored philanthropically, mostly by Big Pharma. Yet we are listening to the highest paid, if we want to call him a government, government official, he's unelected, he's just appointed, but he's the highest one. And he's been at this for 40 years since the AIDS, quote unquote, uh, pandemic. And he had all these years to prepare for what's happening now. Well, he was, like I say, he was doing this, uh, they, HIV didn't work out. Well, it's still even though it contains like 25 to 30 different symptomologies all associated aid they were doing the same thing oh you have this well that we're just going to title it h uh, aids mm -hmm. immune deficiency general concept acquired immune deficiency what in hell does that mean what is the deficiency what's the cause well here again you know it's a viral infection well has hiv ever been 
pure is it a purified isolate? Has there been under the gold standard, which is Koch and Rivers postulate? Folks, it's never been. We have a letter from the CDC. We asked specific questions. We said, have you purified and isolated the HIV virus, the Ebola virus, the Zika virus, the coronavirus, you know, the hepatitis virus, the polio virus, the measles virus? They have to write back and they have no significant evidence, no evidence, no papers, no documents, no testing, no validation of the purification and isolation of any virus. And in the 80s, late 80s, 90s, when I had significant resources, I offered anyone in the world $5 million reward for the purification, isolation of the HIV virus, which is promulgated by it, which was initially promulgated and caused those people who were dying a toxic chemical agent called AZT, which is no different than what's going on today with a not a not a vaccine, but an inoculation of a compound and chemicals that are magnetotoxic, uh, uh, cellular cytotoxic to the membrane and genotoxic. Nothing has changed. We still have no identification of any virus from anyone in any place at any university or lab. None. Zero. And we have the letters from different institutions, both from government, health institutions, university labs, what have you, even what's going on with Australia from the university, Western University of Australia, the same questions. We have no evidence of a purified isolation. We have nothing. They have nothing. They have under the Freedom of Information Act, and they have to answer these questions. Now we just received a recent letter from from the from the the from Massachusetts and from their governor's office and from their health departments saying they have no no and you should need to talk to the CDC. We've already talked to the CDC. We already have the letters back from uh, the uh, director there of uh, of uh, taking. Uh, statistics for VARS, which is the vaccine uh, adverse effects uh, reporting system. His name is uh, Richard, and uh, we have we have this information, and he says we have we have nothing on any of these measles, you know, uh, polio, HIV, Zika, uh, Corona, uh, Ebola. No, we, 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 I mean, it, it's one of the recent, uh, listing. And I've made, I, I mean, you can go to DR Robert Young and see the admittance of the CDC, uh, you know, based on the gold standard, which is the purification, isolation of the virus and then, and then recreating the symptoms in a, in the same or a different host to create the same symptoms that were found in the first host. You, they can't do that with HIV. So a lot of the funding stopped for HIV in 1999. 
but here again, here is here is a narrative with a weapon or a smokescreen to a weapon that now encourages people. Life will go back to normal when everyone is inoculated. You see, it's not, well, with 70%, then life will go back to normal. No, it's everyone. Then it's mandate. Everyone has to be not inoculated with what? What's in those vaccines? The, the inserts for all of the vaccines are, are blank. They don't list the ingredients other than, let's say, Pfizer lists the mRNA, modified uh, genetic or, or what they call nucleic acids from animal source and, uh, and also from human source, aborted fetuses. The virus only exists on a piece of paper. The virus is computer generated. And it isn't interesting, those who invent programs or sell computers and programs who potentially infect those with the virus, even call it that, are the same people that have taken their business into the, the medical field with this non-existent uh, or uh, so-called uh, vaccine. I'm so glad you're saying this because obviously when the name Bill Gates comes to mind, Windows, and we know that he was part of the creation of so-called viruses and the antivirus, what a great way to, to create a, a revenue source for the rest of our lives. Not only that, but when we have the updates, mandatory updates for our operating system, now he becomes a philanthropist, focuses on, on vaccination. Talk about somebody uh, practicing medicine without a license. When you see all these images of him, 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 he himself vaccinating people all across the world. They don't want him in India. And then all of a sudden, now he talks about population reduction via vaccination. And that the people who see his involvement don't even question it. So the question is, if this is not a virus, it has not been isolated, replicated, is it a bioweapon? Are you asking me that question? Yes. Well, I mean, if you took all the people who have been injured, all the people who have died after this inoculation, that have now been reported to the CDC, they would exceed everyone that has ever reported injury or death from the beginning of the reporting system. So the question is, what is happening? So I did two papers. Uh, the, uh, the first paper uh, that I proposed was on SARS. I'm just looking it up here right now. And I don't know if you know what SARS stands for. Maybe you want to know, maybe you don't. But it stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. Right. Okay. Do you know the word definition for syndrome? A lot of people don't. No, I don't. Okay. AIDS is Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. syndrome. Why does science call them syndromes? Because they don't know the cause. See, they lay these little clues to those who people won't pay attention. As if they'll pick up, you know, 
like the Hunter virus or the C. hepatitis virus, which also Dr. Peter Duisberg agrees with me. And we're talking now back in the 80s. We've been talking about this for close to 35, 40 years. He knew, I knew, the viruses were not the cause of any of these symptomologies. In fact, well, that's what, what syndrome is. It's just symptoms. Well, the syndrome is, uh, is, a, is the lack of pathology. In other words, the unknowing of the path in which leads to the symptomologies. So they're, they're unknown pathologies. So they're saying it's caused by HIV. They're saying it's caused by coronavirus, but they call it SARS because it's unknown. How can something be unknown and yet be known? And yet you cannot isolate it. Or if you did isolate it, where are, where's the novel virus? Where is the original form? Show us the research. If you look at the original research on coronavirus beginning this particular pandemic, you will see that it started out with, with a, the science of those who took, you know, assimilated idea and computerized that. They really never isolated, you know, so they took because they, there were no samples to take from. There was no novel coronas viral material in order to, 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 to begin their, their creation of a vaccine. So it's interesting that these all tied together because why aren't the ingredients listed? Why aren't we seeing the adjuvants listed? You see? So this is where, you know, the evaluation using bright field microscopy, using transmission uh, uh, electron scanning, uh, using these different techniques in order to to uh, to identify the actual ingredients in relationship to this uh, this problem. What about the names Pfizer? Now it has this very difficult name to pronounce. They want to equal it to community or community. This is the one that apparently has been approved by the FDA. But the information I've received says that there's really no difference in the what's inside of the vi the the vial. Have you researched this at all? Well, yes. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to come back to one of the studies because in Science Direct, in August of 2020, there was a paper that was written: recent progress of graphene oxide as a potential vaccine carrier and adjuvant. Okay, that's that's an important thing, to, and the dating is very important, August 2020, because the, the the vaccine didn't come till much later. It came in November, December. So they were using graphene oxide as a potentiator and as an adjuvant, but this we also learned was was happening was happening happening a lot uh, was happening a lot earlier and uh, in the influenza vaccines. And so in talking about that, you have to, you have to look at some of the studies uh, that uh, refer to this, uh, and that's one of them. Uh, the, other, the other study was uh, also published in Science Direct, Chapter 6, Magnetic Properties of Graphing. 
so magnetism associated with this uh, material, which uh, is hexagonal in shape. It's, uh, it's one atom in thickness, which is approximately uh, one, nat- uh, one nanometer, so one billionth of a meter. Uh, so, you know, it can be very easily added to, you know, a solution uh, that can be used. Uh, so that was also an important study. And this was, of course, also in 2020. Uh, so you, you, you kind of get a feel for maybe what's going on here, that there's a possibility since they've left this off and they still haven't disclosed the contents of the liposome uh, nanocapsid, which is attached to this mRNA uh, protein, these nucleic acids, which are actually the drivers of this cargo that uh, contains uh, material, both micro and nanoparticulates, uh, that are associated with the very studies that they were working on, the research that they were really talking about that very few people even know about it. So, you know, I talked about this. I've been researching this. I identified a lot of these, which I exposed and also talked about in my presentation in Bali to the International Journal of the International Tribunal of Natural Justice. I actually testified to the contents of these variety of different vaccines and their toxic chemical nature that they really weren't providing immunity, but they're actually proving that you can poison yourself and hopefully live through it. But this introduction of graphene oxide seems very nefarious in and of, its, of itself that uh, there must be some other uh, reason uh, that they're incorporating that. Now, the fact of this uh, was that I've enjoined my research with those of others, and I've also referenced this in an article called Scanning and Transmission Electron Microscopy Reveals Graphene Oxide in the COVID-19 Vaccines. And using the various tools that I've been trained in in Germany with phase contrast, transmission scanning electron microscopy, energy dispersive X-ray spectroscopy, revealing the ingredients of these vaccines. And in fact, they're not vaccines. They're actually gene therapy. They're they're, uh, probably, uh, I think, M should be for mod- modified modified RNA or nucleic acid, which is which is a basic protein that's specific to taking the contents, which is in this uh, capsid, uh, to specific areas to the body. So it's 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 programmed to do that. So there's a program, there's a program written, there's a program used to deliver this. So so I showed these graphene. Uh, oxide, these carbon, and we know that they're carbon because after using uh, testing uh, of these uh, contents, uh, we, you know, I was able to then, uh, in conjunction with the science team, evaluate the
the Pfizer vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine, the the uh, uh, Janssen Johnson and Johnson vaccine, uh, uh, which contains a recombinant replication in adenovirus, which here again is, I have no idea what that is because that hasn't been isolated in of itself. But they, anyway, they have some sort of protein. They're called the adenovirus type 26, expressing which is GMO. They've already all of them have admitted to genetically modified you know, uh, material of animal or human source. Uh, they're also suggesting it's expressing the uh, spike protein. And this is in, uh, this is, of course, in the uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, uh, vaccine. So taking each individual vial and testing it uh, using these various techniques uh such as ultraviolet absorptions and fluorescent spectroscopy scanning and uh, doing extractions and qualifications of RNA of the samples and then looking at electron and optical, using optical electron and optical microscopy of these aqueous phases. Uh, What was found? Well, what was found was uh, in this aqueous fraction, images uh, uh, were viewed anatomical of reduced graphene oxide. And uh, even, even the containers which this was contained, which was the, 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 the lipid carrier, the, light, uh, the, the lipid container, the capsid, that was conta- containing these ingredients. So the so for a definitive identification, it was necessary for the scientific team to use transmission electron microscopy. And it was, you know, then the standard process, of course, sample uh, corresponding to the graphene or graph, uh, graphite or graphene was compared with other uh, scientists that have viewed this. Uh, and of course, what was uh, what was viewed was concentric uh, hexagons, which is a characteristic of the graphene oxide. And uh, so, I also uh, evaluated and have evaluated as it relates to various toxins, uh, even metabolic acids like lactic acid. Uh, and and how the body responds to that, because when we're looking at white blood cells, uh, particularly neutrophils or lymphocytes, they respond the same way. Even the red blood cells, which precedes any sort of buffering of waste or toxins from food or water or air or even uh, inoculations, uh, the white cells respond respond similar, whether it's lactic acid or whether it's aluminum or titanium uh, uh, particulates of oxide or or whether it's uh, uric or sulfuric or nitric acid from the meat you're you're eating or even eggs. Uh, The the white cells respond very similar. So in this article, I show that, and there's video, so you can actually see how these neutrophils, which make up two-thirds of the white count, actually deal with yeast or how it deals with acid or how it deals with graphene oxide and it really doesn't do really well with any of it it's somewhat overwhelming because it's not natural it's not normal 
And so if the body can't deal with this, it has to be eliminated in other ways. And what the body does is if it can't push it out through the pores of the skin or through urination, it ends up getting embedded into the connective tissue or into the fatty tissue. And that's why men are more affected by this inoculation than women. Women have that extra layer of fat to actually protect them, you know, to protect them against toxins, to protect, you know, during pregnancy, the, the fetus. But my, a lot of this is, it, well, is, is so small that, that it passes through the blood air barrier. So it goes into the alveolus. It goes into these alveoli and, you know, causes problems. It goes in to the, to the blood, uh, uh, you know, reproductive uh, barrier. It goes through the bl uh, blood-brain barrier. So these particulates pass right through. So you end up with these particulates of aluminum, which leads to, we've, it's already been associated, research can be shown, that aluminum is associated with symptoms of dementia, with Alzheimer's. Well, now we're going to have to be dealing, and these come from, come from inoculations. It's been associated that the particulates that are being given to children are associated with autism, you know, and a lot of the... Uh, the VARS injury reports uh, are in relationship to inoculation. And, and, and so this information is, this, the, these statistics are overwhelming. The other thing you might uh, find in, interesting is we, 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 uh, our science team has done energy dispersive x-ray spectroscopy. It revealed the genetic, uh, it re re revealed the graphic oxide in all of the vaccine veins. So in, in the Pfizer vaccine, if you look at it, look at that, uh, and quantify it, it has the specific elements that are associated with that aqueous, so, uh, liquid fraction that was evaluated. There's carbon, there's nitrogen, there's oxygen, and there's sodium and chloride. Well, the sodium chloride is from the salt solution that the specimen, the aqueous solution, but what was in there was graphene oxide. So that was quantified uh, using energy dispersion, uh, dispersive x-ray uh, spectroscopy. Uh, and, and of course, uh, uh, this, this, this uh, you know, was a definitive marker for graphene oxide. Uh, the other things like uh, for uh, uh, were evaluated in each of them. In fact, even in the Pfizer, uh, there were uh, some uh, tripto, uh, tri uh, trypanosoma uh, parasites was uh, in several variants are lethal. And uh, uh, and it's been associated with with acquired immune deficiency syndrome or AIDS. Uh, but here again, what is that? Was that some sort of contamination, which which is also needs to be evaluated because we're in the still in the experimental time. I mean, what is going on is a human study, which ends sometime in February of two thousand uh, of twenty twenty three. So the, the, the study is on the human population. 
and uh, uh, this is this is not right. So was there contamination? Well, the Japanese shut down the Moderna, uh, the Moderna vaccine. It's not being used now at this time because of contamination. That's the language they used. But any scientist that has this equipment or has access to this equipment, you know, of doing an anal- a- analysis under environmental scanning, electron micros- uh, micros- uh, microscopy, coupled with X-ray microprobe of an energy dispersive system, which is acronym is EDS, can reveal the specific chemical nature of the micro and nanoparticulates. So that's what was done with each of the vaccines. And so let's get to the bottom line. The bottom line is that all of them contained graphene oxide, which is a magnetotoxin, a cytotoxin, and a genetic toxin. The question is, why is that not being listed as one of the ingredients? And why is it even not even mentioned as an adjuvant that's contained within these? Let me read a few things here because this is more than COVID. You mentioned cancer at the beginning of, of our talk. And I'm looking at some of the data here. The global cancer therapy market was valued at approximately $158 billion in 2020. And is expected to witness a revenue of $268 billion in 2026 with a compound annual growth rate of 9.15%. The largest market, obviously, is North America. The fastest growing market is Asia Pacific. And then I could go and say the same thing about Alzheimer's, which is $2.9 billion. Uh, cardiovascular is $146 billion. Cholesterol a hundred million. So the this is pure profit. All these millions that have been given to all these nonprofit organization run for the cure and this and that. Are they really finding a cure? Or are they finding ways to increase their profitability by creating more patients, Dr. Young? Well I can just tell you my own experience because I went to jail for curing cancer. I had a ninety six percent reverse rate on type 1, 2, and 3, and an 81% reverse rate on terminal cancers. But I had a 100% record for extending life expectancy for a minimum of two and a half years beyond what they were told by their doctors that they would die within just a few months or a few weeks. But beyond, like for example, pulmonary adenocarcinoma, which is terminal. It has no treatment. The reason I use that as an example is because you can't treat it with surgery. You can't treat it with radiation. You can't treat it with immunotherapy. You can't treat it with with uh, chemo. With chemotherapy, <clears throat> there is no treatment for pulmonary adenocarcinoma. It's all any treatment would be experimental, much like the so-called, uh, you know, corona things that's going on. Uh, there is no treatment for that. They're treating the symptoms, not the underlying cause. But the question comes down, is the treatment more toxic than the actual symptomology? And are they underlying cause? Now, you mentioned cancer. Cancer is not a disease of the tissues. 
Remember when I when you we talk about vaccines, it's injected intramuscular, it goes into the interstitial fluids and into the blood. The blood immediately pushes that out into the largest organ of the body, which is called the interstitium, which carries the largest body of water, which is called the interstitial fluids, which flows through everything. Yes. So this interstitial fluid, we're one of the only labs in the United States and one probably in the world that are actually quantifying the, the biochemistry of this. So we know what's going on. We evaluate it. We, it's, it's quantitative. It's one of the other things which uh, we test for. And the main acid that causes any cancer, which is pushed out first into the fatty tissues, i.e. the brain, i.e. the breast, you know, it goes out into the fatty tissues. That's why number one is breast cancer. It affects the reproductive or the endocrine system. So we see in prostate cancer in men, ovarian cancer, uh, uterine cancers in women, and, and, and of course, breast cancer, which is the number one uh, cause of death uh, in, in women where prostate cancer. These are all reversible and they're all curable, not by any of these other symptomologies, cause, uh, other uh, treatment protocols, because let me give you a metaphor. If, if you have a large, let's say, aquarium, and in that aquarium, the fish and the fish are sick, what would you do? Would you vaccinate the fish or would you clean up the environment and change the water? Clean the terrain. Yeah. So that's the issue that's been going on. And this is why those who have been persecuted have left the reservation, have abandoned the germ theory and have accepted an environmental solution to the pollutions that are dealing with specific symptomologies. And so when I make a statement, the cancer is a disease, not a disease of the tissues, but a disease of the fluids, I mean that literally. So it's chemical and radiation poisoning that we're dealing with today in, in the so-called coronavirus. And if we interpret that, if we translate that literally, corona means radiation, virus means poison, so we're dealing with radiation and chemical poisoning. So where are those poisons? They're being injected. They're being taken in through inhalation, through the air. They're, being, they're in our foods. One of those chemical poisoning for Zika, what was it? Do you want to guess? Starts with a G. So, so, repeat the term again. Zika. Oh, like the Zika, Zika virus? Zika virus. What is it? It's glyphosate. Glyphosate. So once you take glyphosate out of the food, there's no more Zika virus because Zika is not a virus. It's chemical poisoning. So every disease has specific chemical poisons that are amplified with radiation. So going back to the, the original question that you asked me, how do, you know what has been my experience? You see, when we went and, and, and when I had a... a, a very well-connected cancer patient who said to the research team at the University of Southern California, USC, the University of Southern California, USC, okay, will you follow me to make sure I'm making improvement through your testing as third-party documentation, not Dr. Young's testing, you do your testing. Okay. You do the 3D ultrasounds. 
you do the blood tests, you do the biopsies, okay? You do the pathology on those pathologies or on those lesions that are in my prostate. There was five of them, five lesions and at varying sizes. I said, I want to follow Dr. Young's advice, which is non-invasive, non-chemical, non-radioactive. And I want to prove and watch it because if I, I can always use what you have, if it looks like I'm going in the wrong direction, I can always remove the prostate through surgery, which I don't want to do because of the risk factors of being impotent and incontinent, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't want to lose my sex drive and I don't want to wear a diaper. I mean, who wouldn't want to try this? So we were in research in conjunction with the University of Southern California for two years. And what we proved was the cure for cancer. And so we took that information to the university with a check for $100 million and said, we want to be in harmony with the university. Therefore, we are offering to purchase the hospital, which you just abandoned for your new hospital. We want to be a charitable donor, one of your largest donors to the university. And we, we want to, in concert with you, allow those who come to the university hospital a choice. And the choice is conventional treatments for cancer or the natural alkalarian approach to cancer. Uh, which we at the time, you know, was calling the pH miracle for cancer. You know, the miracle is defined as a, it's a, an, is a natural phenomenon between the cause and effect relationship. Because you were right. If the fish is sick, you don't treat, you don't vaccinate, you don't treat the fish, you treat the environment. That is the approach. It's a contextual environmental approach based upon the number one cause of cancer, which is lactic acid, which you experience as inflammation or pain because you cannot separate an acid from pain because that's what causes pain. And so we're going to deal with the underlying cause, not the symptom as it's literally breaking down cells and causing the very inflammation as if your car is honking telling you, you know, stop eating this or stop breathing this or stop doing what you're doing. And you cannot cure a disease with disease. You cannot take a poison and increase the benefits from that poison, even if it's a little bit, to provide immunity. All you've shown is you've just poisoned yourself and you've now passed the test, you lived through it, which is not a result of any sort of antibody because that's way down the list. The bottom line is, is they turned down the offer. And the reason they turned down the offer is because they were told to turn down the offer or they would lose their funding. The same thing that happened to me in Georgia at Morehouse College is the same thing that happened to me and my team in California. And who has been telling them, you're going to lose your funding, who you're going to not be able if you allow this to happen. So they had to come back and say, look, we've had our actuaries look at this. And the cost of your treatment per treatment is about six to eight hundred dollars. The current treatment 
uh, actuarial cost is between fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per treatment. We're talking about each case. You've just amplified it in two thousand twenty, based upon an increasing amount of resources, which is nothing more than an extraction of wealth and a redistribution of wealth using a treatment protocol that doesn't work. In lieu of something does work, that's not going to happen. So that's why I say I went to jail because I was helping people help themselves to reverse their cancerous condition. And we then and our team took that, did a paper on it in 2015. And after being a year and a half in house arrest and another six months incarcerated, when I got out, what did I do? I wrote another paper. You wrote several other papers and then presented at a, a international conference in London, presented the findings for the cure for cancer. And, and that is published, peer-reviewed published. And you, you can find, find that at drdrrobertyoung.com. So look, what is my responsibility to myself, my children, my friends? my patients, and humanity, you know? And so I made a decision which was easy to make. You have to do the right thing. And so I've done this the best that I can. I'm not proclaiming perfection in all of my choices at the moment, you know, but I, what I'm saying to you is that I know the pathology of SARS, coronavirus. It is not a virus. I know the treatment protocols. I know that they have been censored. For example, hydroxychloroquine. Why did they take that off the market? Why? Because it, it improves the condition of the vascular and interstitial fluids and raises the pH and thus protects the cellular membranes and passes into the intracellular fluids and raises the pH by 0.2. Not to mention that it's off patent like ivermectin. So when you're using these things, you're actually doing therapeutic rather than using a, of an alkalizing approach, rather than using disease or poisons that eventually will kill you. And that's why so many people are being injured. Now, right now, VARS is reporting approximately uh, anywhere from 26 to 30,000 deaths. And, and or up to thirty-five thousand. Here, it, I don't have the exact number in front of me. Is it true that it's one to ten percent what they're really reporting from reality? It is. They, that was the Brigham uh, study in 2010. When they evaluated it in 2010, they realized that one percent of all uh, incidences, all injuries, all deaths, only one percent were being reported. And of course, if you take that number of injuries, we're looking at 500 million injuries as of July, the last part of July, and close to 35 to 50 million deaths, of which when the, when the fourth wave comes through, and we haven't, we, and those don't even include the numbers in China. We, you know, I mean, how do you trust what they're saying? I mean, they have a population control problem. 
That's why they had the one-child rule. I knew that in 1999 when I lectured at Chinua University. And, and I was sitting down reading a paper before I presented at Chinua University to, the young, to those scientists that were trying to find a cure for cancer. And I was sharing that information with them. And I'm reading in the newspaper the morning before, you know, how the one-child rule had failed. Because uh, and it was called a nation. It was it was referred to as they've created a nation of brats, because what you have is one child who's being pampered over by parents and grandparents. They're mostly men. So the problem is we're not getting good information out of there, but we're looking at between thirty-five to fifty million deaths and over five hundred million injuries. And after the fourth wave, this could this could reach. Uh, the dream of Unahu, uh, when he said, you know, if we do a really good job, we could reduce the surplus pop, uh, that was Kissinger, reduce the surplus comp, uh, uh, population of useless eaters. But this other guy said, we, we, if we do a really good job, we could reduce the population by 10 to 15%. Yeah. If we do a really good job, which included the inoculations. If we do a really good job, we're talking about reducing population by 10 to 15% based on the numbers right now. Uh, I mean, what's 10 to 15% of 7 or 8 billion people? I guess the numbers so maybe 8 to 9, but let's say 8 just to, you know, to be safe. Says someone with a lineage of eugenicists. Yeah. So what we have now is potentially the truth that's being expressed you know, of what is really going on. No, we can't have a cure for cancer. It's not going to come from USC. It's not going to come from Morehouse. It's not going to come from any university or you're going to lose your funding. And if you don't provide these doctors, if you don't provide these inoculations versus therapeutics, guess what? You're going to be fine if you use them or even lose your license. Is that persecution or even go to jail? Well, of course it is. And we have to take our one and only intermission. And you're basically telling us the truth, something that most of us, most of our listeners who are awake to the fact that it's a threat. You have a number of trillionaires around the world watching from their marble towers about what's going on. If anybody threatens that source of income, there will be consequences. But I'm so glad that we have people like Dr. Robert O. Young and so many others who are standing up and telling us the truth. When we come back, I want this to be awareness. We want to spread the seeds of knowledge, but at the same time, I want to... Many people write to me saying, Mel, I have taken the jab. I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And look, we respect everyone's decisions. Whether you take it or you don't, as long as you respect the freedom of choice. That is what's keeping us here. But the moment that you tell everybody that you need to get the V, what if this becomes an extinction level event when you have everyone vaccinated? Don't you need a segment of the population to be in a placebo segment in order to preserve the future of humanity? But this is neither here nor there. When we come back, I want to discuss what people can do to remain healthy. A lot of people say, well, I want to increase my antibodies, but that might not be really what they're looking for. They may be misunderstanding what the real purpose is. 
How can people learn more about your work, Dr. Yonk? Uh, was that a question? Yeah, or? question. Before we break, how can people learn more about your work, your websites, and so on? All right. Well, just one short statement. That is, I want all of us to just remember that it's your, you have to say, this is my body, this is my life, and it's my choice. No one, even Dr. Young, is going to tell me what to do. I'm going to evaluate what I learn, and I'm going to make my decision based upon that. Read, read the research. Read the other side of what we're talking about here. You know, you're hearing a particular narrative from media or from other scientists, and, and they have their experience. This is my experience. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to drrobertyoung.com. And if you want to go directly to the scientific blog, it's drrobertyoung forward, uh, forward slash blog. And, and here again, there are support things naturally that you can do. And I know a very good company that's really supporting this and supports my uh, science uh, because, you know, it works. It works. So if you want to learn more about what they're doing, which here again, full disclosure, I have no financial interest in what they're doing. I support companies where, you know, they are congruent with what a natural approach, a holistic approach, an environmental contextual approach, that they're not treating disease or sickness, that they're taking changes and responding and purification of the alkaline design of the body fluids. And that's what I, and of course, that you can find information on this company at phmiracleproducts.com. If you're interested in non-evasive, non-radioactive, uh, radioactive, anatomical, quantitative blood or interstitial testing, where no fluids are taken, it's it's here again is testing by using the energy frequencies of these fluids and testing pH to your electrolytes to your blood counts. This is this is revolutionary, and and you can go and learn more about that at Universal Medical Imaging. One word: Universal Medical Imaging. Dot com. Once again, I have no financial interest in this. What I have is an interest to share, you know, congruent, good info companies that are providing ways in which you can take care of yourself or to support yourself with non-invasive, non-radioactive. So what I would say, education, not vaccination. Education, not medication. That empower yourself to really learn so that, you know, you have options, something you can choose about. And this is, this is free. And all of the scientific information that I provide through my blog is free. So, yes, you can sign up for receiving information, and there's no promotion of any product. Okay, I'm not selling anything. I'm educating people. It's about education not medication, education, not vaccination. 
the disease is ignorance. The treatment is knowledge, common sense. So when you get that, and you start empowering yourselves, then you can choose the quality and quantity of your life. Wonderful. One more hour during part two. I want to discuss how to remain healthy and how to increase our lifespan. We are as healthy as ourselves, and when we think we can live until a certain age because the powers that want to be, say, perhaps this year 78, you are communicating that to every cell of your body, what you think, what you breathe, and what you eat. One more hour. Breathe, yeah, yeah. It's what you eat, what you drink, what you breathe, what you think, what you feel, what you believe. It's your environment. This is These are environmental problems which you can take control of and improve the quality and quantity of your life. That's the exciting news. We manifest the thoughts that we entertain. Folks, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Hoslerick, and my special guest is Dr. Robert O. Young. One more hour. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, and all of our material, proceed to the member section, or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS. CBD pure hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.